0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. All right, this morning, if you have a Bible electronic device, I want to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 this morning. And I encourage you to turn there, Luke chapter 1. We will have the passage up on the screen, um, but if you'd like to follow along in your own um, Bible electronic device, you can. We're actually going to jump into uh, verse 39 of chapter 1 of Luke. And before we go there, I want to remind you um, of the importance of this morning. Right Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 tells us this children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right honor your father and mother Right there's a beauty that God gives us as spiritual family and as biological family as adopted family as spiritual family that as we walk in this there's a season in life as children that we're called to obey our parents to do what we're told, when we're told, with the right heart attitude. That's obedience. right? When you, your parents come in and they give you instructions, God's placed them in your life to follow them and obey them. But that obeying your parents is only for a season. It's a season. When you become an adult and you move out on your own, you're no longer called to obey your parents. But according to scripture, we're called for our whole lives to honor them to see the position that God has placed them in our lives, to see that God has placed us in their care as a stewardship of them, and we're to honor them. We're to hold them high. We're to say thank you. We're to uh, give them um, affection and attention for what they did, even in their imperfection. Right? It doesn't say honor them as long as they're a good father or a good mother. No, the Scripture tells us to honor our mother and father. And today is Mother's Day. Hopefully you knew that. Hopefully you've already been prepared for that. If not, while we're praying at the end, you can sneak out and run to 7-Eleven real quick. Mother's Day is a wonderful time of the year because it gives us the opportunity to give special honor to our mothers. The women in our lives that have raised us The women in our life that have given us life. And I know in in our lives there are different types of mothers. Right, There are those women God placed in our lives to be our biological mothers. The ones that gave us life. But God also places in our lives at times adoptive mothers. Mothers that have stepped in in the gap. God also gives us spiritual mothers. Mothers that care for us when uh, uh, others can't. God has placed these women in our lives and we are to honor them because they're the women that we go to. They're the people that we go to to dry our tears. They're the people that we go to to um, get advice about, to share in relationship with, to, to seek just to be known and to be cared for. Mothers in our lives wear so many different hats. Sometimes they're an Uber driver. Sometimes they're a chef. Sometimes they're the CFO. Sometimes they're the maid. Sometimes they're the doctor. there are a multitude of hats that mothers wear in our lives, and we honor them, and we know that we are not who we are without them. So today, let's make sure that we honor our mothers well. But I also know that today, as we celebrate this day, we should honor our mothers every single day. Right, but today especially. But I know that today also, it brings joy to some, but it also brings, might cause some measure of sadness or for some sense of loss. Maybe today, as a Mother's Day, is a difficult celebration for you because of hurt or because of pain. Maybe today you're like, you woke up this morning, and you're like, if I could just get through this day. And then tomorrow it'll all be over. And then I'll be fine again for 364 more days. And today is not a day that you should have to get through. Today is a day that together we can rejoice. Maybe today is the first time that you have to endure or walk through a Mother's Day without a mom. You see, today is a day that I wish, I wish we could just simply Enjoy the day. I wish we could just come into this place today and just say, you know, it's Mother's Day. Awesome. And just honor moms and it'd be full of joy and full of that. But if we're really honest today, today is a very complex day. Because there's a full range of emotion that we feel because we're human. Right, We're not animals. We don't just simply go by this this animal nature but we have the ability because we are human to endure the complexity of life. And so today is complex. It's complex as we walk through it. And the beauty is, is that we're not called to walk through complex things like this alone. God gives us each other. And so today there are complex thoughts. There are complex emotions that we navigate. And for me personally, I understand the complexities of today. Because in my life, the role of mother has looked different. many of you know I was adopted as a baby and so I had adoptive mom who was there for me, who hugged me and held me and cried, or as I cried, she dried my tears. She taught me to love Jesus. She brought me to church. And then she passed away when I was 16. And then God allowed a spiritual mother to step into my life and help me through those years to continue to give advice, to give, uh, dry my tears, and to pray for me and to pray for my family. And then this last year, many of you know I was reunited with my biological mother, which is a praise to the Lord. Being able to, after 40 some years, to be able to get connected back to the woman that gave me life and to be able to look her in the eyes and say, Thank you. Thank you for doing and making the terribly difficult decision to give me life. And after being reconnected with my birth father, now I have a stepmother. And so, like, I, I get it. Today's complex. Like, how do you write those cards? Like, I don't know. Like it, It's complex. And so that I know that, it, that even though today is a day of joy, I understand that it's complex. And so today, as we seek to honor, as we seek to enjoy and in pain, together, let me remind you that we are not to do this alone. Don't, in the complexities of today, try to do it in isolation. Because that's not where healing is going to be found. Healing doesn't come when we take our pain and we take the complex feelings that we have and we run away in a closet and we hide away. That's not where healing's going to come. Healing is going to come when we take that pain, we take the complexity, and we live in life together. You've heard the saying, we're better together? Well, it's true. We're better together together and we have spiritual family that God has given us to unite our hearts together and today as we look at Luke chapter 1 we're jumping into a passage that is ultimately about God fulfilling his promises and continuing his work of redeeming all humanity like that's the thrust of the passage but in the text that we're going to look at today what we get a chance to see is how God orchestrates care and love through the relationships between two women. Two women that have found themselves having miraculous conceptions. And how they communicate together in community, how they together walk through the complexities of all of this and still see God's hand at work and they bless one another. Today we're going to look at both Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And how God works through their relationship. To not only continue to fulfill his mission of of redemption, but also how he cares through the complexities of their lives. So we're going to see three truths today of how God calls us to live in community together as we walk through the challenges of life. The first truth that I want us to see is that in relationship, we experience God differently. So let me pull that apart for you just for a second. You know, there's a way in which we experience God individually, right? But that's not it. We're not, that doesn't where, not where it ends, right? We all experience God individually, but in relationship, when we walk through seasons of life and we share what God is doing in our lives with others, we experience God in a different way. And we're going to see that in the text today. Let's look in verse 39 of chapter 1. It says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And as she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what God is doing here is, is we know this is a biblical text we normally look at at Christmas time. Right, as we celebrate the advent or the coming of the Messiah. And God is at work doing this mighty, mighty work of redemption. But God does his work of redemption through the lives of people. And so I don't want you to miss this this morning that there are real people going through real life as God is caring about his big plan of redemption. And what God is doing, though God shows up, let me give you a little bit of background of what's taking place. Remember, what has happened here is prior to this, Elizabeth, who is older in age, we don't know exactly how old she was, but she was past or almost past child-rearing years. She had been barren her whole life, and God shows up and says, you're going to have a son. And she's walking through this. And now as we come to this passage, she's now six months pregnant. And just prior to this, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, Hey, Mary, guess what? I know you're not married yet, but guess what? You, Because you are a virgin and because the Lord has shone, shined down upon you, you are going to become pregnant. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you will give birth to a son, and you're to call his name Jesus, for he will save the world from their sins. So that's what's taking place prior to this. And now what happens is Mary receives this this word and immediately Mary arises and she travels the, the 90 miles through the hill country as a young 13 or 14-year-old girl, I don't know how she did it, but she did it, and she travels that 90 miles all alone, and she comes into her relative's house. We don't know in Scripture exactly what type of relative she was. She doesn't, we don't know if Elizabeth was an aunt. We don't know if they were cousins. We don't know that. We know that they were blood relatives, and we also know that Elizabeth is old and Mary is young. And somehow, in this process, Mary takes the trip and she runs to meet with her relative. And once she arrives and enters the house, the sound of her voice immediately causes a reaction within Elizabeth. Mary, full of youth, now newly pregnant, with a child from the Holy Spirit, greets Elizabeth, who is aged And now in this place, we see God doing something amazing in the lives of individual people. Right again, he's still carrying out his plan of redemption. But We've got to be reminded that Elizabeth has spent a lifetime hoping to experience what has finally come. All those years... She wondered why she couldn't get pregnant. She wondered if it would ever happen, when it might happen. She might have even gone through seasons of questioning, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get pregnant? All of those years of wondering and waiting, all those years of praying, all those tears that she cried when she saw all of her friends around her, raising up kids and even saying goodbye to their kids as she's mar- they're marrying them off. She's walking through all of that with a hole in her heart that had not been filled. But then we see God doing something personally to her, using her in a mighty way that she would never write her own story about. I'm sure that when Elizabeth was a child walking through life, she's not like, man, I'm going to write, man, I hope that I'm barren until I'm old. I hope that, I, that I hope that I'm like 82 years old. I don't know how old she was, but I hope that I'm 82 years old and I have a child. And then as he's crawling on the floor and on the ground and my arthritis is kicking in, I can't wait for those days, <laughs> right? To be aching and all of that. And he, he, I, Anyone else? Any of you write that story? That's not the story you write. That's not the story you tell yourself. But yet, in this way, and in this time, God is doing something so personally to her and using her in such a mighty way that is so profound. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes in the midst of our mundaneness, sometimes in the midst of our routines, we forget that God is still at work. God was continuing his great story of redemption through the culminating of the coming of his son. What's amazing about this? is that God even orchestrated it so that these two women who are experiencing miraculous pregnancies were not doing it alone. Right they weren't alone. Right this this which God was doing to them and through them was shared together. These women together experienced God in a whole new way. When Mary spoke, John, who was in Elizabeth's womb, leapt. Now, this wasn't like a little kick. This wasn't like indigestion. This was a sign from the Lord that was to be remembered. That's why it's in Scripture. Scripture. This was so profound for, for Elizabeth, and it should be so profound for us, because we see that God was present in that place. God was not absent. But God was there doing something great. God was present, and it was working, and John, who was in the womb, knew it. John was not a clump of cells. John was a part of God's plan. And John knew God was doing something amazing. So much so that when he saw or sensed that Jesus, who probably was, probably was a small zygote at the time, he knew it. And he responded appropriately. I mean, consider just for a moment the implications for Elizabeth. Elizabeth. This woman is beyond childbearing years, has now become pregnant. How do you think the community around her would have felt? Or how would they respond? to Because, you know, we don't live in isolation. We live in among people, and everyone's got an opinion about our lives, right? How, how, how do you think that the that, that community would have felt about Elizabeth? I, I have to imagine that there had to be a lot of questions. Right, like, you've been barren all of this time and now all of a sudden you're pregnant? Maybe she stepped out on her husband. Maybe the problem with her giving birth was not in her, but maybe the challenge was within her husband. Right? And so you can just tell the, the, the rumor mill going around, oh my goodness, she's not, what did she do? Oh my goodness. Right, but even her herself, as she's older, she's like, how am I going to care for this child? Like, how am I going to do this? I, I Physically, how am I going to do this? So she had lots of questions. So she's in a concerned state. And Mary comes at the right time, in the right way, and interacts with her, and it fills her with joy. And she's filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Because she's not living alone, walking through this. God sends Mary to her to be an encouragement to her, And her belly is full of joy. And she's filled with the Holy Spirit. When God is at work, whether good or bad, these moments are to be experienced personally, but these moments are also supposed to be experienced in community. And when God is at work, many times it doesn't make sense to the unbelieving world. Like if you truly give your life to Christ and you truly give over the reins of your life to the Lord, your life is going to look freakish to an unbelieving world. When you truly set yourself on the altar and say, Lord, here am I. Use me however. Your life is going to look freakish to the world. But yet, God is going to do something so amazing. I love how King Solomon encourages us in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. He says this, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will not withstand him, and a 3 cold cord is not quickly broken. You see, you and I were not created to live in isolation. You and I are created to live in community. And what better when we live in community and we allow the Lord and his presence to be there with us, we will not be broken. As Believers, you and I experience a special move of the presence of the Lord when we are together. There's something special about Sunday morning coming together where we, we get a chance to worship together and we get a chance to experience worship and each other and the word together. But how much even greater when we invite other people into our joys and when we allow and invite other people into our pain. That's what we're here for. Because you have the presence of God. You're full of the Holy Spirit. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. And when we gather together, the Holy Spirits that are inside of us are encouraging each other. Are saying, hey, it's gonna be okay. God's working. God's at work. And though we may sit there and we may cry together or we may rejoice together, we're there together. And that's how God works. Second, in relationship, we encourage one another. Look at me in verse 42. And she exclaimed, being Elizabeth, with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, let me remind you what's just taking place. Mary came into the house where Elizabeth was wondering and she was thinking her head and her, her mind were full of all of these questions. Like how is this going to work? Is God really doing this? She's beginning to doubt herself. She's beginning to doubt the situation. And in the right time, and the right way, Mary shows up. And what does she, Mary do? Mary encourages Elizabeth. Right, brings her spirit up and she is a reminder that yes, God is at work in this situation. God is doing something that is amazing that is beyond you or I. So she's filled with the Holy Spirit and now Elizabeth begins to encourage Mary. Right, Elizabeth has been encouraged by Mary. Now Elizabeth encourages Mary by speaking about Mary to Mary. And she's speaking to her in a way that only up until this point, a few people knew. Right? Mary had just found out about this miraculous pregnancy a few days before she arrived at Elizabeth's doorstep. And now Elizabeth, being guided by the Holy Spirit, encourages this young woman by calling her blessed among all women. By, by clearly saying, hey, God is at work. God is doing something in your life that is bigger than you and you are blessed. Oh, the grace of God is pouring out all over you, not because of who you are, but because what God is choosing to do through you. She spoke of her unborn child as also being blessed. Elizabeth goes so far as to call this child my Lord, meaning that she's understanding what God is doing here. And this is different because not, it's usually not the way in which the older people in this culture encourage the younger. In the culture, it's supposed to be the younger always encouraging the older. But in this sense, and in this time, uh, Elizabeth steps in. And she encourages her. She says that she is blessed because she believed God And not just because she believed in God, but she believed that what God had said would come to pass. I could only imagine how terrifying it must have been for Mary in the eyes of her own community. Many would have whispered horrible things about her as she returned home because when she returned home, she would not be able to hide her pregnancy. Remember that she was betrothed to be Married to Joseph. She's in this waiting period. She's in this period of, of purification. And now she's done something terrible, according to the community. How, how could she step out on Joseph? How could she go around God's design? Right? She's doing it a different way, not in the way that it's not supposed to be. And as a teenage girl, She would carry on all kinds of reproach. She would have to walk through life with the stares of the people in her community, the glares from the people of her community, the side eyes that she would receive from the people in her community. The older women would look at her and say, well, bless your heart. She she was going to have to endure all that. And she did nothing wrong. Do you hear that? She did nothing wrong, but yet was going to have to endure the ridicule of others who may have even thought in their own hearts and minds they're doing the right thing. How evil we can be to each other. How hurtful we can be to each other, even though we may think that we're right. But yet God was at work and Mary needed the encouragement from Elizabeth. I, I heard this old saying, I've heard of this in the past. Happiness communicated doubles itself. Grief grows greater by concealing. Joy by expression. You see, in this situation, there was complexity. There was social complexity. There was family complexity. There was like... God's at work, complexity. And so at the time, there's, there's this joy at which, hey, God's at work, God's doing something, but yet I have to go and show myself to my neighbors. And there's this tension that you and I feel in our lives every single day. But be reminded that happiness communicated doubles itself. When you're sharing something that that God is doing in your life, you share it with someone else, it doubles it because now your joy is shared with someone else and it doubles itself. But yet sometimes we feel grief and grief grows greater when we conceal it. When we keep that grief to ourselves, it grows greater. But joy comes by expression. Do you hear that? Together. Do you have these type of encouraging relationships in your life? Do you have people in your life that you have made yourself vulnerable to? Where you've come in and you're like, hey, this is who I am. And do they speak life into you? I know, moms, that the task that you have before you is daunting. It's terribly difficult. It can be overwhelming. And I know even in this world, there's this true thing called mom guilt, where you may lay your head on your pillow at night and you may cry yourself because you're like, telling yourself, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Why can't I ever get it right as a mom? Why can't my kids do what they're supposed to do? Why can't this and, and I'm just not enough? And you carry all of this weight how God has designed it you gotta have encouraging relationships we have to have encouraging relationships I know that being a mom doesn't end when your kids move out grown kids bring a lot of sleepless nights and endless prayers for parents and for moms and you need those encouraging relationships And maybe you've allowed people to come into your lives that aren't encouraging. Maybe what you need to be reminded is you've got to maybe reevaluate your friendships. Let me give you this great rubric to lay over your friendships. Like if you are in a relationship with a friend and you're sharing, you're becoming vulnerable to them, you're sharing about your life and they start to give you counsel, that seeks to divide relationships, guess what? That's terrible advice, right? Especially if you're in those relationships where you're, you're speaking, maybe, maybe you have those relationships where you're sharing about your, your, your spouse or you're sharing about your kids and that person's like, oh, you, 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 should, you should distance yourself from them because they're terrible people or whatever, right? If, if someone's encouraging you to destroy the design of God, that's a terrible advice. Speaking truth into your life, telling you, hey, let's move towards God's design. Let's encourage each other towards God's design. Those are the things we should be listening for, being good counsel. Third, in community, we envision God's plan for our lives. Look at me in verse 46. It says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arms. He has scattered the proud with the thoughts of their hearts. And he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate." And he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned home. How does Mary respond to all of this? She begins to worship. Because of what God has done for Elizabeth, and now now she understands what God has done for Elizabeth, Mary now understands what God is going to do in her life. And Mary, who is in just a few moments, has gone from questioning everything, she's now filled with hope. And how does she respond in worship? She has a deeper understanding of now how she fits into God's bigger plan. She understands that God has always been in the business of saving his people. God is in the business from the moment of the fall. God says, okay, I'm going to save you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to cure you from the curse of sin. And God has been unfolding this plan. And now Mary stands squarely in the crosshairs of God's further unfolding plan and how does she respond in worship we're in the situation where Mary should not be pregnant Elizabeth should not be pregnant and yet God is at work in this case Elizabeth is now being vindicated Right. All of her years of waiting, all of her prayers praying, and all of her tears shed are now being fulfilled. And her son is going to go and he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. He's going to begin preaching repentance for the kingdom of heaven is here. And yet, all those years of tears and waiting, God says, I'm at work, I'm at work, I'm at work, I'm at work. I see you. I know you. I'm at work. Trust me. And now God fulfills it. Mary should not be pregnant. Mary will now be vilified because of the dishonor that she's bringing to Joseph and her family. But yet, God is at work. Because God is fulfilling his plan and Mary sees it. She knows it. For God is doing mighty things. God is going to bring justice where there is no justice. God is going to take everything that's broken through Christ and he's going to make it right. Mary was able to, in this moment, see how her life fit into God's greater plan of redemption through Christ. She would give birth to the one that was promised. And Jesus would come and he'd live the life of perfection. He'd walk in complete fellowship with the Father and be without sin so that he could go to a cross and die in our place and take the penalty for our sins, go to a grave and experience death, and then be, resurrection, be resurrected and experience life. He would do that work so that God could bring sinful man back to God through the person of Christ. This is what God is at work doing. And it's doing a mighty, mighty thing. Maybe you're here today and you've never come to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Well, I want to encourage you to consider Jesus today. For Jesus is the one that gave his life for you and for I, to pay the penalty for our sin so that we trust in him, forgiveness could be ours. Now, you may be here and you're like, yeah, I'm not Mary. I'm not not Elizabeth. Your children may not be Jesus. Your children may not be John the Baptist, but be reminded that you, your life in Christ is part of a greater story. Mom, your mission field is your children, right? Don't live a life of perfection before them. Live a life of an honest walk with the Lord, right? Live out the gospel before your children. When you mess up, guess what? Say you're sorry because God's grace has already been given to you. Mom, walk in the grace of the Lord. You're not gonna be perfect, but you're enough. You're enough. God would not have given you a child if he didn't think that when you walk with him, you were fit enough for him. Walk in that. Show your children what it means to follow God and live in community. Maybe you're here and you don't have a mother or a father figure in your life. Realize that God is still at work through spiritual family of providing. Providing. You know, I, growing up, when I started, when we started a family, I I didn't have a father speaking into my life saying, hey, this is how you're supposed to love your daughters. This is how you're you're supposed to honor them. I I didn't have that. So I had to look to other places. And in my life, I'm so thankful that God placed a Chad in my life. Chad was a guy from our church who had a daughter who was in our youth group, and I was a student pastor at the time. And I got a chance to see just how Chad cared for his daughter. Like how a godly man who was not perfect in any stretch of the imagination, but how he cared for his daughter, I watched him. And I said, Oh God, would you help me to be like Chad? Because he's doing it, not perfectly. And I remember even specifically on his daughter's 16th birthday, how. He paused for a moment, and he, in the midst of the hullabaloo and everything else that was going along, he stopped and he laid his hands on his daughter and he prayed for her. Like prayed the prayer of a father over his daughter. And man, that, that, like, that impacted me in a deep and profound way. Though I didn't have a father showing me that, though I didn't have a father giving me that, I knew because of God inside of me, I could give that to someone else because I saw it firsthand. And church, believe this. Maybe you need a Chad in your life. The church is here. That's why we're here. If you need a Chad, I guarantee you there's Chads in this church. Or maybe church, you need to be that Chad. Maybe you need to step in the gap and just live your life of faithfulness before others and invite those into your life so that they can be there at those moments. So they can see how you faithfully and imperfectly carry out your plan as a parent. Church, I pray that you are encouraged today. I pray that together we look at God's word and we see that God is at work. God is at work in your lives. God is at work in your past. God is at work even, will be at work in your future. But let's trust in him and let's do it in community. Let's share our joys and pains together. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this special day that we get a chance to honor mothers. Father, we thank you for those gifts that you've placed in our lives, those that have pointed us to you, those that have prayed for us, those that have walked before us in faithfulness. And Father, I pray today that you would remind us that you're still at work. You're in the work, at work in the midst of our pain. You're at work in the midst of our joys, And that you're moving all things to an end where you are glorified. So Father, I pray today that you continue just to speak to our hearts. Give us comfort where we need comfort. Give us encouragement where we need to be encouraged. But God, in all things, would you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together.